He is. That's true. Beautiful. Well, it looks like we've got the, the green light here. Uh, welcome, everyone. Fabian here, your host at uh, the Functionally Addicted podcast show. And I'm super pumped because I've got a, a very meaningful conversation for me today with a couple special people that have really had a profound impact on my life. Uh, they've, I've just shared with them before we came online that, uh, you know, one of the one of the breakthroughs that I'd had, and, and these guys have been doing this for, for a number of years. And uh, so I brought, I brought to their attention the impact that it had on my life and then the shifts that took place. And I'm super pumped to have Jay Headley here and, and Joseph Scott from The Coaching Room. Gentlemen, welcome to the show and uh, thank you for being here. Hey, Fab, good to see you. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's been a long time, uh, long time coming. And, and the story that I shared earlier, and, and you know, some of you people have seen the bio already for Jay and Joseph, you know, um, founders and managers of the coaching room. And we're going to get into a bit of, you know, the detail in and around what these guys do and the magic that uh, that they're able to create for other people. And um, I'm going to you know give you guys a bit of an insight into that. But one of the profound things that that happened for me. Uh, back in 2017, I came across you guys quite randomly. I was actually working for a pretty big entrepreneur at the time. And uh, he'd asked me to, I was managing a sales team and he'd asked me to find the best NLP or best coaches who could help facilitate transformation within his organization, you know, 30 to $50 million size business. And so I'd done a fair bit of research. I was responsible for that. And I brought it down to three businesses and you guys were one of them. And I actually phoned you, Jay, at the time and we got on a call and I was very skeptical. I'd heard about NLP. I'd heard about these things. And for me, it felt like it was, a, it was, there was a bit of a, you know, it was a bit of snake oil stuff, to be honest. Go figure. I was, I was the sales guy as well, selling, you know, selling programs at the time. And Jay, our conversation, you turned me inside out. Like I'd never had that kind of experience where you were able to almost mirror what was going on behind my questions, um, where they were stemming from and, and your ability to articulate the hesitancy that I had. And then, you know, I kind of use this analogy where you kind of turned me inside out and had me pull my own pants down. <laughs> easy, easy. Yeah, 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 easy now. Yeah, right. It is R-rated for the guests. And what was interesting, I, I didn't have the opportunity to actually engage you guys because my contract had finished up. I came back to Melbourne because I was living in Sydney at the time. So I came back to Melbourne. I'd started my own consulting business and I'm three, four, five months in and I thought, oh, I need some tools here. Like I'm, I'm consulting and sales training, but it just felt like it wasn't, there wasn't depth to what I was doing. Uh, there was results, but just not depth. And then I'd remembered, hang on, that guy, Jay, I got to speak to him and and then you guys and you know, lo and behold, here I, here I was enrolled into some of your various programs uh, in and around, you know, NLP. And I'm, I'm sure you guys are going to explain what you, you know, your, your, your version of NLP. Um, but it was a huge game changer for my level of success in and around my own identity, uh, my self-worth. And then obviously the results that translated to my impact for other businesses and other people that I worked with. So I just wanted to say off the bat, thank you guys so much for the work that you guys do. It is amazing. Sure. And what was the pain, uh, Fab? What was the pain for you prior to that conversation? All right. Well, let's let's go a little bit deep then, right? Um, one of the one of the one of the biggest breakthroughs for me was uh, this identity crisis that I had. I, I came in feeling like I wasn't myself, like I was like I was off center. I was just I'd, I'd been spending most of my life trying not to be like my father. Right. And this might resonate for a lot of people that are listening, but there was this whole identity clash of me not considering him the type of, I didn't want to be considered like him or have, have show up in any way like him. And, you know, getting even a little bit emotional now talking about that because it just brings me back to the memory. And, you know, I said to Jay, I put my hand up and you, you offered a breakthrough session in front of, you know, 60 or 70 people. And I was stuck and I, my responses were really global. I don't know if you I was sharing that one with you before, Jay. And you said, I said, I don't want to be like my father. And, and Jay, I remember you saying to me, well, you're not, you're Fabian. And at the time that wasn't landing for me because I was still caught in this program. And I know you guys are going to elaborate on that. I was still caught in this program of, no, but I, I don't want to be like him. 
and you reinforce and I was distracting myself in that moment and you said, well, you, you, you can't be him because you're Fabian. And it was just a huge explosion of emotions at that time of realizing that this me trying not to be anything like him was actually bringing parts of that into my identity and was creating this kind of this clash. Uh, you know, you guys can probably explain it far better than what I can, but there was this clash taking place and it was actually, it had a grip on me. And so it was preventing me from actually being who I always was, me. Right. And uh, that, that was one of my huge revelations. You guys want to like elaborate on that? Like that, do you see that quite frequently with, you know, successful entrepreneurs or people who have got this clash with a, a parent and, figure? And let's just keep the spotlight on you just for a moment, buddy. So do you still have that outcome? Say that again. Do you still have that outcome of not being like your father? Is that still an outcome you have? What's shifted? Is it still is it still got a hold on me? No. Do you still have that outcome not to be like your father? No. So what's different? The the difference now is that I'm the ownership of me, my authenticity, who I am. Right. That that's the difference now. It doesn't it doesn't have a grip on me because before it was of running away from something rather than honoring who I am. And is your father still alive? Yeah, he is. Yeah. And what's the quality of relationship that you have in that I, space with him? Yeah, that's now we're getting really deep. <laughs> you buggers. Uh, well, interestingly, I actually decided to put up a boundary that I, I honor the love and the relationship that we had, but I no right. longer, he's no longer part of my life because of certain things that have taken place. But I'm okay with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And paradoxically, he's kind of helped you find your way, right? Even though that right. might not have been his intent. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's part of our work, right? It's like what seems to be difficult is actually simultaneously your emergence, your breakthrough, your potential, your possibility, and they don't happen in isolation. Mm. So as you struggle with the difficulty and break through the difficulty and break down, right? You break through simultaneously to what's true based on the pain. And so the pain's essential for for transformation, for evolution. And what we found, what we found over the years is people trying to hold that pain at a distance, find a find a cure for it, find a headache tablet for that pain psychologically and emotionally. And all mm. they're doing is holding back potential and possibility. Mm. Yeah. Powerful, profound. And and uh, and I won't forget that after that breakthrough of that realization that i had this is six seven years ago uh all the men in the room that were going through their masters in you right. know in the certification you guys provide were in tears coming up to me saying thank you for that because that has been an issue for me too yeah. um it was yeah just phenomenal because you know for men in particular those that it's like you know we hold on to this thing and it's either this there's this clash and uh and that gave them a sense of freedom too powerful okay so thank you guys i was just taking the audience's perspective of all the men in the room crying and, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, over, over fab's experience so you know what what the, the if we background that what what you're experiencing is called an object relation an object relation is a sense of self in the face of another that is constructed and created and it's a polarity so so when you push that part of of you away you're not pushing them away you're pushing you away and so mm. as you push you away you create shadow elements and shadow structures and then you spend the rest of your life working through them and mm. so you know the greatest developmental work a human being can do is is reintegrate their shadow take ownership and as joseph said understand the potential uh, in everything because everything has potential wired into it you know, there's in every every piece of pain is a massive opportunity. A, you know, pain in the body, physiological pain, is to send your uh, uh, awareness, well, your attention, uh, to bring into your awareness something that's not working that you need to attend to. Um, and so it is with you know psychological pain, is it's it's pointing you in the direction of of you mm. attending to and utilizing this as your growth. So all pain grows you up. There's no, mm. no question about it. 
And yeah. so, and so, you know, uh, Joseph said, um, "Welcome that in and integrate it, uh, because it's it, it breaking down is breaking through. But only if you know it. Only if it is mm. inside of awareness. You're aware of it, but are you attending to it?" Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's and it's such a powerful. It's such a powerful thing because what you just said before about pushing it away and then, you know, the shadow element of it, it's like, you know, the other side of the other side of that coin for me was the pursuit of success to be acknowledged and to, to be seen. And so I'm attempting to try to differentiate myself, but yet that was causing even more turmoil. And, you know, you guys would see this quite a bit in in, in the space that you guys coach in. That you know, eventually, it's this thing that propels people towards success, and for me, it enabled me to become super successful in well, not super successful, but relatively successful in real estate. And then eventually, I burnt out because that fuel was just not sustainable. And and I and I see this quite a bit in my space. Do you guys want to talk? Do you guys want to talk uh, to the audience a bit about what you know, what you guys see? Given that a lot of your work, as well, is with with high performers, like elite sports people. You know, Formula One space, the rugby space, senior execs. Like, is there is there a theme that you guys see in and amongst the in in amongst the coaching that you guys do there around you know high performers entrepreneurs? Well, so let's just let's just take you for a moment as you mm. as you offered a lovely example. Bro. So you know, you said super successful in real estate, and then you judged that you judged yourself, mm. you judged your achievements in that, and then you've reframed that to, well, not super successful, but it was yeah. super successful compared to what you were doing previously. Yeah. So you don't need to judge it. You don't, it's super successful to you, right? And this, this is this what is people, so good. people don't realize is the frame that you're governing your reality with is working for you, and then you speak it, and then you're judging it, and now you're going to belittle your super successful real estate experience based on the fact of other people's judgment. Mm, that's so true. And here, here I was thinking that would get somebody live on the show. Well, we did. For them we to did be coaching, you... <laughs> you can't sit in front of us and not be it, right? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well, I did try to hose that one down. I thought, oh, you know. How, how, is that, how is it shifting? Let's just keep on top of you a moment. How is it shifting when you realize that your framing's yours and you're mm. 100% entitled to it and it doesn't require your judgment or our judgment. From your view, mm. it was super successful. Yeah. What's well, liberating, right? It's empowering. Right. It's honoring what, what is. Right. So, so Jay and I have been working in this space and, and, and coined this term together of, of frame quotient. You know, the FQ on a regular basis, we share FQ at each other on a regular basis, right? But it's the it's the intelligence of framing and it's the framing that governs your reality. And most people don't have the power to frame their reality and be objective to it. And that's what coaching and our NLP training and coach, that's all about really mm -hmm. bringing, as you said, freedom and space and choice and responsiveness to our inner reality so we can change the outside. Mm. Right. So Joseph, spoke, Joseph just spoke a second ago, Fab, to, you know, what was going on. But let me ask you a couple of questions. So the first question is, what was the positive intention for you of reframing it from super successful to successful? What was the positive intent? Well, the, the positive intent was to, is, was to ho well, hose it down so that I wasn't coming across as somebody who thought that they were better than what they were right. in comparison to, you know, other people, right? right. And so re right. really the, the, uh, the hidden positive intent behind that was to, for me to try to keep myself relatable with an audience. Sure. You know? Se second question then, Fab, is what's the positive intention of you comparing yourself to others? It is to be part of the herd. Okay. Mm. And so, and so, right there, can you hear that that you've got an external <laughs> referent motivation system for staying connected, staying part of the herd, belonging, and that that second person perspective, yeah, that drive comes on when you were about seven, eight, or nine years of age. Yep, potentially, hundred so, percent, probably even earlier, to be honest after yeah. some of the work that I've it's done, good. but definitely yeah. recognize that it was a coping strategy. It was a survival strategy for me, actually, growing up 
to right. to be relatable and to have make sure that I've got secure connections with other people so that I can progress. To fulfill progress. that rising need, right? And mm. yet you've transcended and included that need, but yet you keep coming back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I realize that. The, the, I've been punched in the face quite a few times, fellas, since uh, since I've done the work, and that's one of the things that I shared in one of my previous podcasts of like thinking that I've gotten to this destination of not enlightenment, but I've figured it out now. Yeah. And then to very quickly realize I actually haven't, and it's a constant evolving thing of daily practice. Uh, and so that's that has been one of my things of uh, learning and acquiring, but then going out and, you know, rescuing others or coaching right. others and and not actually doing the work. And, and I see this quite a bit in the space um, that it's, you know, very quickly it's, you know, do as I say, not as I do or not as right. I am. Right. Can, can you catch a few of the other frames? And we won't point to too many, but let's just point to one that you want to change from super successful to successful. Yeah. So that you can be part of the herd presupposes a frame of reference that your people listening are not super successful. Ooh. I'm sure they are. <laughs> you, see how, you see how the assumption, the, the mass mind yeah. read yeah. really, really causes you to sharpen yeah. away as yeah, an entrepreneur sure. and as a superstar. That's not mm. quite as true and powerful as you can be and as you are. Mm, that's so true. I and think I maybe the word maybe the word was potentially humble rather like relatable, but more humble, so that there's this pursuit, right. so that I'm not because there's people that are you know that are obviously listening to this that are you know that have achieved substantial amounts of things, right? right? And so, yeah. um, but that's probably what it was. But yeah, great pickup. But can we just yeah. like stop the spotlight on me now? <laughs> We'll move off the humble frame. We've, we're, we're live streaming, so we've had a few comments come in too now, which uh, Jenny Jenny said, uh, great point. So she's picked that up, and I know she's in this space as well, and there's a few others that have said g'day. But, uh, no, I love this. It's uh, it's super important. So could you guys, uh, like, help? You know, we've spoken about some terminology around, you know, frames uh, and, you know, the – what we've just you guys have just unpacked here for somebody that's uh, listening right now that is new to this conversation what how could we kind of help uh break it down for them to kind of get a i suppose a more of an understanding uh and whether or not this is something because if they if they're relating to some of the story that i've shared that you guys have unpacked with me what would be something that you guys could share with them in and around this this work that you guys do over to you, Joseph. Over to you, Jay. Another round of you. So, you know, when you say the work that we do, that's really broad. So, mm -hmm. you know, there are, well, I there do are, have a global metal program. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are four elements to what we do as an organization. We help people wake up, we help people grow up, we facilitate them cleaning up so that they can fully and completely show up. As, a, as, a, as the full expression of who they are, as their full potential in any given moment. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we use a variety of models uh, and understandings to do that. But really it's about realising what's just simply actually true here now is, mm -hmm. the, is the simplest form. Is, you know, we're, we're constantly as, a, as a, um, a species, a race, we're constantly you know, framing our experience without realizing that's what we're doing rather than experiencing it. So mm -hmm. we're, we're being about life. We're not living. We're existing. And the problem that we have is how we go about making meaning. And so what we do is we help people, entrepreneurs particularly, and, and high-performance sports people in our viewer are entrepreneurs because most of them are running their own game. And most of those games are far bigger than, than most entrepreneurs' games. So we include high-performance sports people in that. Well, they we are building brands, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so we help them get themselves out the way, get, mm. get the structure and the thinking that holds their potential back. Is the, is the long and the short of it, by, mm. by helping them have the realizations of how they're taking themselves out of reality and now using the structures of their mind, the frames of mind, to be about reality rather mm. than in it. Mm. 
Wow. Very well summed up, mate. Joseph, do you have anything to add to that? So in a kind of more gentle way, the work is really, really understanding that your personality, and most people know what their personality is, or they like their dad, they like whatever it is, and even if they don't like their dad. And what they what that personality structure is, is taken to be them as an adult. That's how they are as an adult. But the truth is that structure, that infant structure, was created by the time they're seven, eight, nine years old. It's solidified, it's in place. And now that midlife crisis is caused by the kid life crisis mm. of the child trying to be an adult in everyday life. Yeah. And if, you're not, if you're not doing developmental work, if you're not doing uh, in introspective work, if you're not doing work with others to help really view what you are subject to called your personality, which paradoxically isn't personal and it's not even anything to do with you, it's your condition self that's been institutionalized through schooling and parenting and peership. Mm. And if you're not addressing that, you're trying to run a business, you're trying to run a family with, with safety structures, childlike crisis structures in your body energetically trying mm. to be an adult and it's and it's suffering mm. and so yeah. people that as they evolve as they mature it's not that they mature because they're getting older they mature because those structures those attentional fields those energetic fields in the body are coming away mm. and what happens is is the person gets out of being an attentional adult and starts to open up to the awareness field of being an adult with mm -hmm. choice and freedom and spaciousness to respond and not need to react to everybody that barks, shouts and snaps at them. Mm. And so we're walking around catastrophically as children in adult bodies. Yeah. So 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 clearing that, right? Clearing mm. that out, cleaning up, mm. maturing, waking up and growing up and showing mm. up in a way that's autonomous and true. Mm. That's, that's, that's the call of our species. Love that. It's amazing because you mentioned a couple of things in that, which is, you know, the the structures, the 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 beliefs, the 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 imprints that take place on us through the adolescent years, through you know, family, through society. And, you know, the work that I embarked on after you guys was going into that somatic side of the inner child and the integration right. of some of those traumas, because what you said earlier was you know, stuck in our body. And that was something that I observed, be it, you know, my nervous system was constantly, you know the polyvagal theory sides of things like hypervigilant fight flight response. And that was right. showing up. And, you know, when I had my first child, that was quite prevalent. It literally brought everything up for me, having yeah. my son and this identity crisis that I had with my father. And now I'm realizing shit, what's the roadmap? What's my roadmap of being a functional father, you know? Yeah. And so uh, it, you know, the, led me on a journey of, you know, embarking on going deeper and deeper in this work you guys were the catalyst to kind of opening up, uh, you know, not Pandora's box, but Fabian's box. Right. Uh, and, um, well, the catalyst body was the pain, not us. That's true. That's true. We were just around in that environment. You were, the, and so what you're pointing to, you were ready. So we don't yeah. want to work with anybody that's not ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They gotta be ready. You were just ready. And so what, mm -hmm. what we do and facilitate might look amazing. It's actually pretty ordinary. But you were extraordinarily ready, and that's the that's the formula. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because at the time it didn't it was it didn't feel like I it was pain that was calling me to reach out to you guys. It was it actually felt like it was more pleasure because I was actually seeking to go deeper in the content that I was delivering for my clients, and yet, alas, you know, the work wasn't about the work that I right. that I was going to do. It was about the, this like this work and these structures, and so. Yeah. It, that was the kind of the the slap in the face kind of moment for me that I was like, holy crap, like I need this shit. Like this is yeah. not, you know, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to other people. I'll get to other people a little bit later. Um, well, the truth so, is what you, what the truth that you're pointing to there, whether you're uh, speaking to it or not, is that the issue of the problem that the individual senses they've got is never it. Mm, it's mm, never it, but they carry yeah. it around like it is. And so that prevents them actually getting resolution, right? It's never the problem, never, ever, mm -hmm. not in your business, not in your life, not in your relationships, not in your health. It's never that's the problem. And that's why that's why we need to work together. That's why we need mm -hmm. others to support that can facilitate realizing it's not this superficial thing. 
Like, for example, you think you don't want to be like your dad. That's actually not it. You need mm. to be you. Mm. You know? Yeah. And what a, a, a you know, I, I remember saying to people, because people were asking me about what was my experience like? Because we spent I spent a few weeks up with you guys in Sydney, a few different, you know, uh, going through your your advanced courses, master practitioner and and I remember saying to people at the time, given the experience that I had, I said, geez, I would have paid tens and tens of thousands of dollars to, if I knew that that was the experience that I was going to have, right. like I would have paid a hell of a lot of more money to actually, you know. Sorry. Text in the mail, fellas. So it's coming on the first, the first of the month. I uh, love it. So good. Uh, we're getting some, yeah, some great comments coming through here. There, there has been a few people asking questions as well in and around some of the things that uh, that are getting in their way. Um, I just wanted to touch on the, the high performance sides of things that, you know, you guys mentioned earlier and, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and elite sports people, you know, are building their own brand. One of, one of your uh, question, uh, one of your statements, Jay, in particular in your bio, it says that, you know, you work with people and, you know, you're, you're searching for the difference that makes the difference. Mm -hmm. Could you elaborate on that a little bit for, for those that are listening right now? Like, what do you mean actually by that? And in the context of uh, these, you know, high performers, like what is the difference that makes a difference? Mm. Well, it's to, to what Joseph just said. And so the problem's never the problem. Mm. The presenting problem is never the problem that's actually occurring. And so if you, if you move to try and resolve that problem, you res, you're, you're resolving a symptom. And so the problem will come back. It'll, 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 it'll raise itself immediately. And so mm. the work that we do is to help facilitate uh, the, to find the frame that's creating, that's the real problem, creating the, symptom, the symptomatic problem that the person's experiencing as pain. And so we help the person identify that. When they shift at that level, which is the level of their, not what they think, but how they think, mm. then, then there, is, there is not only a shift in... Uh, their experience of that problem, there's a shift in experience of all problems mm. because they begin to, to realise that the, their problems are not the problem. Mm. And so the difference that makes a difference is getting to what's the frame running the game that is creating the pain. Yeah. That's Not what that. Joseph talked about in frame intelligence or yeah. FQ is we got to find the we got to find the frame that runs the game and make the shift there when yeah. when the client shifts there when the person shifts there their potential starts to become to the fore because the thing blocking it has mm. has been removed so mm. it's not like doing anything it's 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 undoing it's not we're not doing or adding anything yeah. uh, even Maslow said a self actualized person isn't someone with something added it's, it's someone with nothing taken away yeah yeah, I love that. And and so talking to those symptoms that you said that usually, you know, the problem isn't the problem. What do you what do you guys see? I know it's a bit of a general question, but if there was a common range of symptoms that people are kind of experiencing, what would what would you say that, you know, the top three would be in that kind of scenario? The top one is they're struggling with their self. Yes. The second one is they're struggling with their self. And the third oh, one is <laughs> they're struggling with their self. As an yeah, identity, yeah. as a someone, as a role, as a persona, as a social icon, as an object, mm. as a subject, completely struggling mm. with itself. Yep. And so what kind of questions, like if we were to, like what kind of questions are they asking themselves? Well, who am I? Who, who mm. the hell are you to even ask who I am? Right? It's just mm. this constant. And if you can get the sense, it's constant judgment assessment, constant judgment, judging here, judging there, judging here, judging there. Yeah, they get a compliment. They receive that as a self, right? I, no, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Then somebody questions that capacity a week later, and now they're pretty shit at it. So you get the point, right? And all of this is this front facade, like, yeah, but the heart of Star Wars, right? It's just a hedonistic personality structure that everything's concerned with that's not even a problem, but it seems like a problem. And so that voice in the head that's talking all the time, that's mm. a self-concern. 
It wants to belong. It doesn't want to be alone. It wants to be comfortable and happy. It doesn't want to be in pain. It wants to be able to trust the world, but it doesn't trust it at all. And it mm. wants to be able to be seen for what it actually is. And the problem is by projecting this self, this icon, this macho person, this caring, compassionate avatar of a self, you're not going to get any of those. And so mm. the personality can't get any of those things it's spending your whole life trying to get. That's the problem. Yeah. One, two, and three. That's a that's a decent problem to have, right? <laughs> it's a, a lifetime problem for most people, and, and fortunately, most and fortunately, most people die before they resolve it. So, mm. resolution. Yeah, I've seen that. So, I know I know the title of our podcast is called "Addicted to Thinking," and in, in that, what you've just shared is that in itself. Why does that occur? Why does what occur? The, the the ability to the, the, to remain constantly in this thinking analyzing judgment like why why is that occurring I know we we, we I know that we're getting so, it from yeah. parents and society so in, so, in really, so in really simple terms we have constructed in you as a human a self and given it variable qualities fallibilities worth and disworth belonging and disbelonging, told you you're good, told you you're not good, then let you run amongst institutions in schools and societies and peerage. Now you grow up trying to confobulate and validate and be better than other people. So you're mm -hmm. just caught in this judgment bind. The problem with your personality is it doesn't actually exist as an actual tangible thing like your feet do. It's, it's, it's a construct, it's a mind. And so your personality is as real as a rainbow. We can all see it, but it's nothing actually there. But we mistake it to be real and it's not real. And we spend our lives trying to polish it, make it look good, make it be successful, make it belong. But there's nothing there. So you don't get to stop. Satiate its needs. The, pro the problems that our egoic conditioning, our personality is creating for us is actually so that it can be useful. It's like it's like to just like a rat on a wheel. It just keeps it moving. Keeps mm -hmm. it's fixing the problems it's creating. It's like having the worst cleaner in your house in the world cleaning with one hand and dirtying and 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 you know yeah. putting, bringing soot and crap on the other. And it's working its way through the house and it gets back to this part. And it goes, oh look at this soot. Where did that come from? And it's, the other hand's creating it. Yeah. And well, so that, that's some that's some people's business strategy too, coming in right. and creating the problem and <laughs> come and solve it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, we, so, so we've so we've unboxed this really universal human issue, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a solution. What mm -hmm. is the solution? The solution is to be aware of that first and foremost. Who was it? Mm -hmm. Awareness is curative. Jay. Fritz Pearls. Fritz Pearls. Awareness is curative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you get awareness? You go into a a personal development program, you go into a coaching program, yeah? Mm. And the only objective of your coach is to create objectivity to you. Mm. That's it. And, that, and that's it. That's all, that's, all that, that's all that ever happens. And if it doesn't happen, you've got a shit coach. Yeah. yeah. And when but you create, get object Create objectivity to the frames that are, that are creating mm. the problem that mm. the ego is then trying to solve. Because there is no inner child. There's just yeah. inner patterns habituated from a lifetime of pretense. Yeah. And it's a pretension. It. Listen to it. It's a pretension that pretense. There's a tension between what's true about you and the rubbish mm. we've told is true about you. Mm. There's a tension wow. in that. You have to keep pretending. I love this. This is like I knew coming, getting you guys together was going to be absolute gold and, and doing it live as well. Uh, you know, I hope those that are listening right now that, you know, listen to it when it's loaded up. You know, the, I hope this is landing for those that need to hear it. Um, as you guys said earlier, it's like, you know, it's for the people that are ready, uh, that have become somewhat aware of some of the things that, you know, are going on for them. And, you know, this is just absolute gold. I love it. Um, What's wonderful about your podcast and this recording is that what we're, between the three of us, manifesting is psychoactive. So even mm -hmm. if it doesn't land now, three years' time in the shower, it will go pop the realization mm. and then that mm. person will be in a new direct trajectory and direction yeah that's so true I've, and i've heard my wife say that she's like in you the know, shower. Have a moment she's like <laughs> like i told you that two years ago and it was you know something about myself of course i was like well i wasn't ready to hear it from you i needed to hear it from myself <laughs> sure. yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I love it. That's so good. I um so just just on that, like this has been so profound, like already, even for me, like you know, I've been in this space for a little while hearing some of these things again and you even just you guys picking apart some of the structures that I've still got, you know, that are still, you know, I'm still holding on to has been super powerful for me and hopefully for others as well. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, Jay, about the difference that makes the difference. And, you know, it's about, un, you know, a lot of the work is about undoing. It's not about adding to what we already are and what we've already got. And it reminds me of that saying, and I'm going to definitely stuff it up, but it was something, it was not a saying, but it was a Michelangelo in the Da Vinci statue, I think it was. And he was asked, like, you know, how did he create that sculpture of, I think it was, I don't know if it's Da Vinci David. or the, the Mike, sorry? It was yeah, it was David. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the David. David. And yeah, and, and the quote goes, you know, I've told you I was going to botch it and I already have, but it's something along the lines of, he he's like, well, how did you know how to create this magnificent sculpture? And he's like, well, I just broke away all the parts that weren't him. And, you know, you know, I think that that kind of resonates to the work that you guys do and uh, for, for others. In the context of high performance for, you know, elite sports people, for business leaders, like what is, what is the common clearing that we're looking to do outside of allowing them to not be held onto certain structures? You know, I know that you've worked with Formula One as an example. What is the kind of dialogue or the, the, uh, the, um, what are we trying to do there in a, in in a, in a space of actually allowing them to be in their in their zone? So go back to what Joseph said, and it's simply being a true mirror, uh, being bringing objectivity to what they're subject to. That's our only role. That's all we do. We're facilitators. Mm. We're not mm. we're not mentors. We're not teachers. We're not mm. you know uh, therapists. We're mm. simply objectifying what they're subject to. That's actually no longer working for them. Mm. So we're helping them, helping them shed the layers. A snake sheds its skin so it can grow because the skin won't let it grow. It has to shed that in order to 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 go beyond that skin uh, and take it to the next level. A, a, a high performance athlete needs to needs to free itself of the stuff that's holding and maintaining it same with an entrepreneur uh, to shed itself of the stuff that's holding it back so that it, it can fulfill its potential mm. the potential mm. already exists we don't have to manufacture it. it's nothing to do with us mm. you know racing car drivers i mean some of those some of those guys and women have got the most extraordinary potential they know what to do there's no doubt about it the difference between a world champion and and everybody else in the race is that the world champion is actualizing their potential in that moment and the rest are trying to actualize mm. their potential and they're mm. getting their shit in the way and so and so you know you 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 could take any driver in in let's say the formula 1 you could any of those drivers you could shift their shit and any one of them will step up to the plate. They're all mm. got extraordinary potential. So it's not something we have yeah. to, there's no secret. There's no special formula. It's, it's, just, it's just bringing a mirror that, that reveals the truth and then their willingness to do the work of cleaning up so that they can show up. Yeah, wow. And this actualization, like, it reminds me of Usain Bolt. I think it was Usain Bolt who mentioned one of the practices that he has in and around, you know, winning the medals that he has around, you know, him visualizing actually running the race, receiving the trophy, standing on the podium, doing a lap of honor. What, what, what's the difference between actualization and visualization, you know, visualizing or manifesting? What are the differences there? Well, I mean, visualization you know, prepares neurology, but really it's useless. It, mm -hmm. it, it absolutely adds because the race you're running in your head is not the race you're running in reality. It's not the race you're mm -hmm. going to run in reality. It's all that you can map. It's a map of the territory. But if you, but visualize, if you, if you visualize, Fab, winning that race with Usain Bolt in it and you're actually sat next to him, stood next to him on the, on the blocks, you visualize your head off. It's just you're just not going to win. 
it's not going to happen. You could spend <laughs> 17 years visualizing it. You're still not going to win. You're going to lose. Boy. <laughs> Hang on a minute. The, the, well, the last race that I had was with a couple 10-year-olds in Bali, and I actually tore my bloody hamstring. <laughs> I bet you didn't visualize that. Hey, <laughs> I just come out of a five minute ice bath, mind you, and I felt amazing. And these kids were running races, and I gave them a head start. And then I was right. trying to gain them, slowly was gaining them. And then I went too hard and I pinged my hamstring. Sure. Yeah. That so, yeah. Age, eh? I think you might be right about that, Usain Bolt. Uh, it might not happen. Visualization is, 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 you know, it does prepare neurology because your neurology can't tell the difference, but it doesn't. Actually, it's not the difference that's going to make the difference. It has the to be a reality. Is getting your shit out the way no. so your body can do what you've trained it to do for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours and reach mm. its potential, not other people's potential, not the race's potential, mm. not the outcome's potential, but their potential mm. in that moment, whatever that is. Mm. Could it could could visualization actually be detrimental? I.e., if we're constantly thinking about, you know, well, attempting I, to manifest a scenario and it doesn't play out that way, that all of a sudden there's this. What's not happening? There is some some truth to that because what it's doing is it's sending your attentionality and energy flows where attention goes is governed by your intention. You're intending. The outcome means that you're focusing on the outcome. You're not in the process. And in the process is where life happens. In the process is where the magic happens. In the process is where you actualize your, your full potential. And it's the only place you can. Mm -hmm. And so get out the map, get into the territory, and, and allow your body to do what you've trained it to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, go find out. Most of the crap that people hold around is they project an outcome in their mind and then they fear not getting it. So they're creating a construct of fear to motivate themselves and actually all it's doing is holding them back, stopping them from being in the territory. Mm. Yeah, that resonates deeply. That resonates deeply. And I, I just thought I'd, uh, on a side note, just chime in to those that are watching live. There is a few at the moment. If you do have any questions, we are going to get to a quick Q&A. So if there's something that's resonating for you right now, you're listening in. If you're listening to the recording, by all means, send it through as an email and uh, and we'll, I'll drop some links to connect you with Jay and Joseph. But if you do have any questions for those that are listening live right now, here's your opportunity because we are going to wrap up pretty soon. I'm going to get you guys to, uh, to you know, to find out a little bit more about what these guys do here and some of their um, programs and uh, courses and the, the way you can actually work with them. Uh, and then there's a couple of questions that we have here from viewers that have been sent in previously uh, that, you know, uh, I'm going to put to you guys. It may be hard as everyone that's listening right now can sense that a lot of it is about self. So there's going to be a little bit of ambiguity, but I'm sure you guys will give it a bit of a nudge as to where the question's potentially coming from for those that have, uh, you know, done uh, sent it through earlier. Um, whilst we're just on that topic and waiting to see if anyone does uh, drop a a question in the uh, on the live stream, what is uh, what is some of the ways that people can actually connect with you guys? And you know, what do you have upcoming for those that are you know that, that this message is resonating for them right now? How can they um what you know how can they work with you guys? True. Well, there are a number of ways. So we run we run public programs in neurolinguistic programming. Um, which is the study of subjectivity, and it's it's the study of a communication model that's as close to uh, how you communicate with yourself and how that drives your communication with others, your actions and your behaviours. Mm -hmm. It's understanding from the inside out how how you're doing you so that you can objectify and therefore identify the difference that makes a difference and free yourself from that. Mm. So, so you know, and there, there's people think of NLP as a set of skills. Sure, skills are something that comes out of that, but really, it's understanding how you're thinking and how that thinking drives your experience. And so, it's the study of subjective experience, and mm. that gives us insights into the leverage points for for developmental growth and the opportunity for us to clean up uh, the stuff that's holding us back. So that's mm. one. We run them in Sydney mm. and Melbourne. So we've got courses coming up in Sydney. We've got courses coming up in Melbourne. 
Um, and, ju- and, just, and just on that one too, Jay, like for NLP for me uh, in terms of my income and sales was a huge game changer. Me incorporating the stuff that I'd learned with you guys actually doubled my income, literally. It was a massive game changer in how I structured my, the way in which I communicated, framed, uh, and you know, increased my income. So it helped me with sales, and it actually helped me become a better leader as well. Um, well, I would say if you want to double your income, don't do it because <laughs> it's not a good enough reason for doing it. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that wasn't my reason for doing it initially. I didn't think I was going to double if, my income. If you're fearful of looking at yourself, don't do it. Mm. If, if you're concerned that you won't get something from it, don't do it. So, mm. so you will get what you put into it. And so mm. it is a process of, of looking inside out, not outside mm. in. And yeah. so it's a process of genuinely getting to know yourself by getting to know who you are. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's massive. That, and that was the issue, right? I came in trying to do this thing and then unpacked all this stuff for myself. And it was until I got all that away where things actually started to flow, uh, you know, within my business and, and, and income. Um, but that, you know, it was huge so what, what was the other one that you were going to share as well Jane? so the the second one is we have a program called integral coaching if people want to become a professional coach um we're running that in may next year in melbourne live in the room so all our nlp programs in sydney and in melbourne and the integral coaching which is a professional coach training system are live in the room so we've gone back to being in the room because the the transformation, the transformative experience is so much more powerful. Mm. Um, and so those would be the, the, the two public courses. And then the third aspect is get yourself a coach, you know, get yourself a developmental coach who, number one, has done the work to get their own shit out of the way so that they can genuinely be uh, a, a, a mirror for you um and and be able to objectify the blind spots that that you are holding yourself back with and that's mm. one-on-one and yeah it's expensive it's bloody well meant to be it's a, it's a, it's a it's a high-end investment in you and you know as joseph said coaching is psychoactive you can't unforget mm. what you're seeing mm. That's true. It's expensive, but it's an investment. It's investment into the future, right? Into the now and into your future. So as I said, I would have, you know, paid a hell of a lot more. Check is in the mail, fellas. Um, great. Oh, Thank awesome. you for sharing that. I will drop some links in uh, in all the comment section and then there'll be an opportunity for people to reach out to you guys uh, online. So we'll, we'll drop those links in. We have had a question come through here. You probably can see it pop up on the screen uh, from somebody who's watching live. Uh, Chronic procrastination, something that they're suffering with. Apart from now when they put the comment in right before we finished. <laughs> so it's not totally true, right? That's the start, right? Let's you, don't know that they didn't, you don't know that they didn't procrastinate over it for a half yeah. an hour. Yeah. Not long enough though, right? Not yeah, <laughs> so, so one of the things is all of these things, right? We're all working with these different qualities of being and doing in the world. And uh, let's not over-identify with with these qualities, not being a procrastinator, not being anxious, not being someone that's angry. These are all processes. They come and they go, and they're very tiny parts uh, mm. of our life, but they can make big impacts if we're caught by them. Mm. And so just a couple of things for me. Jay's more over this area than me. So your procrastination is your absolutely founded, genuinely correct a belief in your potential to get stuff done whenever you choose to. That's what the cause of procrastination is. So you know that you can wait five minutes before your presentation, smash an outstanding presentation together off the cuff, and when you deliver it, it's bloody amazing. That's why you don't need to get on with it. The other thing Mm. is it's not that important to you what you're procrastinating on. The best thing is just don't do it at all. And if you have to do it, just do it at the last minute because you're extremely skilled at that. But stop fussing about it like it's a problem. It's a power. Love that. So, so for awesome. most people, it's a motivation strategy to motivate themselves, to get themselves prepared so they've had enough of something, they've had enough of putting something off to the point where they just Joseph said it. So our our take on procrastination is just don't do it and then don't do it and then don't do it. Just simply don't do it. And, mm. and if it keeps coming up, then when you're ready, do it. Mm. So, so the yeah, thing is... The big area and another podcast is to awaken to intrinsic 
motivation that's aligned with your autonomy versus trying to motivate yourself from the outside in. That's just a complete and utter child structure. Mm. If you have to motivate yourself to lose weight, you don't want to be thinner and healthier. Exactly. If, you have to, if you have to motivate yourself to go to the gym three times a week, stop bloody going because you're not that interested in it. Mm. Why, why do you need to giddy yourself up? Mm. So there's a, there's a deeper structure to motivation than that, Fab. That, yeah. that we only need to motivate ourselves because we're demotivating ourselves. So it's an active demotivation. You stop mm. the demotivation. You don't need motivation to balance. Motivation is a balancing act. Of, yeah. of, and if, you, if, if you've only got to work with a client and go, tell me about the voice in your head and what it says, and, and, and the garbage that will come out is the oh. demotivation stuff that now they've got mm. to create to motivate themselves for if you've got to motivate if you've got to motivate yourself you don't got to motivate you just got to stop lying yeah that's it just be honest <laughs> be honest <laughs> and allow yourself you. to move with the truth and you don't need motivation it's not yeah. it's not necessary yeah well Hope, hopefully that answers that uh, question for the uh here's, here's a really 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 simple approach to procrastination you ready Apply it to itself. Procrastinate about your procrastination and you're done. <laughs> That's the antidote, right? Yeah, Stop putting put off putting things off and you're done. Yeah. <laughs> another strength Love of procrastination. Love the simplicity. So I've got another question that's come through here as well. Um, came through to me earlier when uh, when we were announcing promoting this podcast. Uh, why do I tend to overeat when I have had a physical injury in particular? So I'm an elite sports person currently exp experiencing um, uh, back issues. When that happens, I tend to overindulge in food. What's driving this behavior? Food's great and lovely, isn't it? Delicious. <laughs> well, uh, and ultimately the person's eating meaning. Yeah, and mm. so they're not eating food. Food, food is fuel. It's it's it's, mm. it's quite simply to fuel. It's energy, and so mm. it's putting energy in your body so that your body can use it. But the person isn't eating energy anymore. They're eating meaning, and so the mm. question is, what does food mean to you? What does food mean to you? What's mm. the meaning you're applying to food? Is it comfort? Is it yeah. is it is it mummy's breast? Is it what is mm. it? What's the what, what is what is the what is the meaning? Because that's what they're eating. They're eating meaning. Yeah. yeah, they're not greedy. <laughs> Love it. Uh, one more that came through. As a business owner, I can't seem to switch off from work. I usually bring it home, and my partner always says that I'm not that engaged or paying attention to her. Make make um, your wife more important. That's it. Mm. Just value value appropriately, right? Value, it is. It is. Yeah. So Scott's talking is pointed straight to it. The person has competing priorities, or they have mm. one priority which is more important than their wife. And if that's true, get divorced. Mm. But if it's but not again, do something about it. And in terms of those priorities, right, in, in this scenario, because some of this actually resonates for me back in the day when it was just all about, you know, the pursuit of something. Uh, outside of family so given that we spoke about structures and beliefs and this programming could what could one of the drivers be that it's was you know a program that you know uh, you saw a parent do like you know a father ignoring the wife or wife ignoring the the, the husband and that you know there's a priority yeah, that shifts not, there. it's just not that complex so they simply aren't valuing mm. appropriately mm. in the way that they want to because the complaint seems to be that they're bringing all this work home, they're not even noticing their wife, but it's the problem, the work, work that they're bringing home or the fact that they're ignoring their family. Mm. Never the problem, right? So the likelihood yeah. of the actual problem is them simply not valuing what's valuable to them as they've lost sight of the subject relationship with their wife and she is now an object that needs mm. attention, the same as the business needs attention, but she's not bringing any income in. So there's a justification for valuing the business over the wife. But why is yeah, the well, person in the business? Probably mm. for the wife, right? And then mm. there's an identification as the as an entrepreneur, as the CEO, as the head of sales. There's an identification with that stuff that drives them to want to prove themselves 
object relations to to the the people in their head, uh, and uh, as as a way of them proving themselves to themselves, and it's just all rubbish. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting because part of some of the coaching that I've been doing in the last little while has been working with men, fathers in particular, who are having you know conflicts in their relationship and. You know, one one of the big things that is getting pulled apart in these sessions is, you know, that the issue is that you know work is coming home, they're not connecting, and um, it's you know I think this will probably be landing for quite a few people that are that are listening now, given given uh, what's just been shared. The, um, issue, the issue one hundred and one is value, buddy. Where are they placing their value? The highest value is going to get the attention. If you want to value something more than your business, whilst you're not in your business, value that that's at your home more. More than your value in trying to prove yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that's landing. Great questions. Uh, last one. The uh, I tend to take on more than I should and overcommit to things. Then I either get burnt, burnt out or build resentment towards others when they don't reciprocate. What's causing this? Scott? Okay. You can answer that one. That's yours. That's identity campus stuff. That's for you. <laughs> so, so you know, burnout um, is is uh, a combination of different uh, patterns of thinking, and so the, the the main patterns of thinking are external referent. I'm I'm worrying about what I think other people are thinking about me. Yeah, but notice that I'm not worrying about what other people think about me because I don't actually know what they think about me. Mm. I am making it up in my head and projecting that out there on the world as if it's true. So mm. when I do that, I now have to attend to that constantly. But all that all is happening is it's in the person's head. It's not happening in reality. Mm. I ask the question when I'm coaching people, how do you know they're thinking that? And they say, well, mm. I don't. And it's like, you, 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 that's what you're thinking. Mm. And they go, yeah, and you're projecting that on to them, yeah, and now you've got to attend to it. That takes a lot of energy, man. Mm. Mm. And so number one, number two is caring for others over caring for self. So mm. when you care for others over caring for self, then you're not attending to your own needs. And the expectation is, and it's in the in the presuppositions of the question, that if you care for others, they will care for you. But when yes. they don't care for you, you've got a problem because you've overcared and you ain't caring for yourself, mm. expecting others to do that, and yep. you building, as the person says in the question, resentment. Yeah. Yeah. The third thing is they're overprivileging second-person perspective and putting themselves in other people's shoes and looking back at themselves, and mm. and then Joseph said, fourth one, judging what they're what they're seeing instead yeah, of simply wow. perceiving it. The problem with judgment is when we judge and, and project our judgment out there, it's simultaneously projected in here. When we don't mm. like something about ourselves and we taboo it, we simply strengthen that within ourselves. Mm. And so the offer for people is when they see something within themselves they don't like, they've gone to the balcony of themselves and objectified themselves. Stay on the balcony and simply perceive because judging you puts yourself back on the dance floor. So, yeah, so wow. judging, the only purpose it serves is put you back in the conditioning loop. Yeah? Mm. You can't hold objectivity until you've done with what you're seeing on the dance floor, and then the balcony becomes the new dance floor. Yeah, I love that. And referencing the balcony, are you talking in third-person perspective there or still in second-person? Objectifying, yeah, going from yeah. the dance floor to the balcony, you can mm. see um, what's mm. happening on the dance floor from a different mm. view. But that yeah. once, you, once you solidify on the balcony, it becomes the new dance floor, is mm. to go up and objectify that. That's how yeah. development works. That, that resonates a lot. That even that question, part of it around my for myself, being a a, a recovering people pleaser, which you know I've identified was a, a coping mechanism for me. As I said earlier, growing up and making sure that I had, you know, a lot of safety nets around because that's how I grew up, and um, and then the resentment that followed through when I was you know overdoing things for so many people, and it wasn't being reciprocated. I actually would feel like, oh, this person doesn't value me or they don't care. 
Um, and that was that was real, a structure. The real, that the real truth in that is the person you were trying to please was yourself. You just being, weren't being honest with yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. This has been awesome. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, Good there's, Good uh, appreciate uh, for those that want to reach out to Jay and Joseph, the coaching room, um, we'll put some details, uh, some links in there for you guys to connect with them to, you know, advance yourself. And for those listening, thank you so much. Uh, another episode of the Functionally Addicted podcast. This was uh, amazing. I loved it. I was really looking forward to this. And uh, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you, gents. Uh, cheers. Bye.